Hi, I'm James Anderson Foster, and you're listening to Who's Afraid, a weekly podcast of awesome serialized horror fiction written by amazing authors, performed for you by professional narrators, and brought to you by SerialAudio.com. It's totally binge-worthy. Chapter 8 Julie opened the door to room 212 and stepped inside. The interior of the small space was covered in years of dust, but appeared dry. Two single beds sat against the wall. An old television rested atop a dusty dresser, its screen busted and scattered on the worn carpet. A mini-fridge sat against the far wall with its door hanging open. Inside was a pile of mouse turds and a dented can of Shasta. The closet was wide open, revealing a row of empty clothes hangers. It appeared no one had been here for years. Julie closed the door and collapsed on one of the beds. Ted led Susan to the other and gently helped her lie down. Should I keep watch? Ted asked. They have to know about this place. Oh, they know, Julie replied. But they don't come here. They can't. What do you mean they can't? It's enchanted. What? What are you talking about? There's a spell on this place, Julie said, sitting up. You're going to have to do better than that, Ted said. Julie stood, peeked out the window, and walked to the mini-fridge, grabbing the can of Shasta and slurping it greedily. She held it out to Ted, but he declined. She shrugged and finished the contents in one swallow, dropping the can on the carpet. Let me gather my thoughts for a minute, Julie said. I haven't had a second to myself in ages. How long have you been here? Days, years, it's hard to tell. Time is funny here. Ted sat on the bed next to Susan and rubbed her arm. His wife snored lightly. She'd fallen asleep the second her head hit the dusty pillow. You love her, Julie said, sitting on her own bed. Ted nodded. Very much. It kills me seeing her go through this. You're a good man, Julie said. I can tell. When a lady runs into a good man, she knows. It doesn't take a good man to love his wife. It absolutely does. Any man can take a wife, but not every man can keep one. Ted nodded agreeably. Can you tell me what you mean about this place being enchanted? Just what I said. The building is protected, has been for ages. An old woman once lived here. The townsfolk called her Grandma Emma. Said she had special power, foresight. You mean she could see the future? Something like that. I'm only going off stories I heard at the bar. She was widely respected and wildly feared. She was one of them once, and something went wrong. What happened? I don't know. They don't talk about it. She went from being a member of the community to being an outcast. They came after her, called her a devil, chased her from her home. Some real witch hunt shit. They were prepared to string her up and burn her at the stake if necessary, but she was always one step ahead of them. So she got away? She held up here. She claimed this place as her own and made it clear that if anyone came here with bad intentions, they'd be dead before they crossed the parking lot. 
She stayed here for years and put a spell of protection over the entire property. Oh my God, Ted exclaimed. Grandma Emma. I bet she was the old woman in the woods. Julie raised an eyebrow. On our way here, we were being chased by these dogs or wolves or whatever the hell they were. Emma called them Kun Anun, something to do with Welsh folklore. Called them what? Hellhounds, harbingers of death. Everything that old woman said was based on some foreign myth or legend. Right, well, anyway, we stumbled on an old cabin in the woods, and this old lady took us in and gave us tea. She must have drugged it or something, because when we woke up, she was gone, like she'd never been there. It could be her. I've heard she lives nearby, but no one has seen her for years, which is likely the way she wants it. Susan muttered in her sleep, and Ted ran his fingertips lightly across her forehead. He saw Julie watching him and laughed. She used to have awful nightmares, shouting in her sleep, tossing and turning for hours. I found that running my fingers over her head or through her hair would calm her down. She's had a rough ride. What do you mean? When she was in college, she was in a horrible car accident. Her roommate died in the crash, and for years she was scared to even ride in a car let alone drive one. Then later, after we were married, she had a miscarriage. I'm so sorry, she interrupted. So was she. She blamed herself for losing the baby, thought I wasn't going to love her anymore. It wasn't easy. Julie stared at the floor between her feet and remained silent. I didn't want to make you uncomfortable, Ted said. No, no, it's nothing. I'm fine. Just tired. I think we should catch a nap and rest. Something tells me that getting out of here is going to require every ounce of strength we have. You're sure it's safe? We'll be fine, she assured. She laid back on the bed and shut her eyes. It feels so good, she moaned. It's been so long since I've slept in an actual bed. Ted nodded. You didn't have a bed? No. Jack's girls sleep in cages so they can't escape. That disgusting place is his bread and butter and he runs it like a prison. It's like he gets off on it. Gets off on having status. That's awful, Ted said. Did he feed you? Whenever he remembered. Usually table scraps, nothing substantial. He kept us weak enough so that we wouldn't try to escape. Ted grimaced and cleared his throat. Table scraps, like fucking dogs. Julie nodded. If the girls wouldn't eat, Jack and his men would force-feed them. More often than not, he'd toss a plate of spaghetti in our cages. No sauce, nothing fancy. The noodles were always greasy and tasted like he made them in old bath water. Maybe he did, who knows. Horrible. Julie reached out and grabbed Ted's hand, smiling, eyes half open. I can't thank you enough for getting me out of there. I was sure I'd die. Every day was just as bad as the one before. She took her hand away and closed her eyes as the storm intensified. Ted listened as the wind pulled at loose shingles on the roof and whistled around the corners of the building. He laid back next to Susan and stared at the ceiling, listening to her breathing. I'd kill for a hamburger and fries, Julie uttered. You're not kidding, Ted replied. French fries were Jacob's favorite. Jacob, he asked. Julie mumbled something he couldn't understand and began breathing deeply, slipping further into slumber. Who the hell's Jacob, he thought. 
Before he knew it, he too drifted off. Ted was awakened by a sudden commotion. What do we do? Susan asked. What's going on? Ted said. He stood quickly, wiped at his eyes, and joined them at the window. There, Susan pointed. Ted squinted into the gloom and saw them. There were at least 40 men and women lined up at the far edge of the parking lot. Some carried hatchets while others carried homemade clubs or pitchforks. One man appeared to be holding a rusted sword. It's a goddamn hangman's posse, Ted said to no one in particular. A group of men stood huddled together, pointing up at their window. They saw us, Susan said in a hushed tone. They can look all they want, Julie said. They know they can't cross the lot. I don't understand. Don't worry about it, Ted interrupted. If what Julie told me is true, we're safe here. Susan shrugged and shook her head. Just trust me, Ted added. I'm not letting anything happen to you. Susan grabbed his arm and buried her face in his chest. He wanted to explain everything, but now was not the time. They can't hurt us, Julie said, but they can wait us out. A standoff, Ted added. Exactly. There has to be a way out of here. I don't know, Julie shouted. I didn't know if this place existed at all, let alone a secret escape hatch. She went to her bed and sat with a grunt, holding her face in her hands. Let me think. Ted pulled the frayed curtain aside and watched the mob line the edge of the lot. One man put his foot on the curb, separating the road and the lot, and immediately jumped back as if he'd been burned. It was the first sign that Julie wasn't telling stories. There was something very powerful at work here. What did you do to piss them off? Susan asked. He saved me, Julie said. He risked his life to get me away from there, and now we're just as trapped as before. Always trapped, she cried. Susan watched the woman as she sobbed weakly. She frowned, feeling the woman's helplessness leak from her pores like sweat. She's in a towel, Susan whispered to Ted. That's more than she was wearing when we escaped the bar. Where are Kathy and that mutant bitch? They won't be bothering you again, he said. Won't be bothering anyone again. Ted, what did you do? What I had to. Let's leave it at that. Susan looked up with sad eyes and swallowed hard. I had to get you out of there, Ted explained. Nothing else mattered. What are we going to do? Ted closed his eyes and shook his head. When he looked outside, another twenty or so people had joined the ranks of the redneck militia. They tapped the handles of their weapons rhythmically on the asphalt. A warning? A call to action? That's when he noticed Jack saunter to the front of the line and raise his arm above his head. The mob quieted instantly. Julie, Jack shouted. I know you're in there, girl. I'm not here for you. Julie jumped up from the bed and joined them at the window her face a mask of fear. I know the other two are with you. Send them out and you can go free. Fuck you, Julie whispered. They killed Kathy and Tess, he continued, and I can't abide that kind of behavior in my town. You know we take care of our own. Send them out so they can face their wicked deeds and you can go. He's never going to let me go, Julie said. Not for anything. He intends on killing you killing us all. You want to be free, don't you? Jack hollered. You send them to me and you have my word. 
We'll take them to the church and you can just walk away. The church? Susan asked. What's he talking about? That's where they pray, Julie said, to whatever god or devil they worship. They offer sacrifices, human sacrifices. Fan-fucking-tastic, Ted blurted. Whoever goes in as a prisoner comes out in bags, she said. They believe by eating the flesh of their enemies they gain their power and their knowledge, or so I've heard. Christ, Susan groaned. Do they think they're Aztecs? This is 2017. 2017? Julie asked. The year 2017? Of course, Ted said. Why? I've been here so long, she said. So long? How long? Susan asked. You don't look like you're much over twenty. Julie put a hand to her cheek as her eyes closed in deep thought. Just as Ted was going to ask if she was okay, Julie looked up and said, 1991. That's when I got here. No, Susan scoffed. Can't be. You have to be mistaken. I'm positive, Julie replied. George Bush was president. Roseanne was the biggest show on television. It's not possible, Susan repeated. Even if you were born in 1991, you'd be 26 years old now. I was born in 1972, Julie said. My son was born in 1990. This is ridiculous, Susan blurted. Ted held his hand up to stop her. I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound bitchy, but it's 2017. That's all there is to it. Not for me, Julie said. How did this happen? We have bigger problems, Ted said, like the ones outside. Time. Time is weird here. Julie muttered. You'd be in your mid-forties, Susan said. There's no way. I can't explain it, Julie shouted. I just know what I know. George Bush hasn't been president in over 20 years, Susan explained. He was followed by Clinton, Bush Jr., and Obama. How can you not remember any of this? Julie shook her head. Donald Trump is our current president, Susan said. Julie snorted laughter. Donald Trump? The hotel guy with the fright wig? Our president? Now I know you're pulling my leg. She's telling the truth, Ted said. He took office earlier this year. How? How can that much time have passed? That's what I'm saying, Susan replied. I assure you it was 1991. It's a hard thing to forget. I mean, come on, do I look like I'm in my 40s? Susan shook her head but said nothing. She came back to reality with a start as the angry mob outside began shouting and calling Julie's name. This is insane, Susan said. Susie, please, just let it go. No one's saying we drove through a fucking wormhole. She's just confused. Susan looked at the floor, stung by Ted's harsh words. He didn't have time to coddle her. There were more important things transpiring. What do you say? Jack bellowed. Fair trade, Julie. You're not going to get a better offer. I just want him to shut up already, Julie hissed. If I never hear his voice again, it'll be too soon. Ted pushed Susan and Julie aside and opened the window. No deal, Jack, he shouted. We're getting out of here together. Ah, Ted, the murderer. Why don't you let her answer for herself, Ted? This isn't your decision. Julie appeared at the window beside him, trembling with rage. Fuck you. Do you hear me? You'll never get me in a cage again. 
Never. You or your fucking cronies. Jack laughed, a hearty, deep, belly laugh. Girl, you're signing your own death warrant. I'm going to give you to the count of ten. When I'm done, I better see that door open. If not, you'll all die side by side like one big happy family. A few of his henchmen laughed like it was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. Jack beamed, drinking in their favor like a fine wine. His arrogance was appalling. The crowd began counting down from ten excitedly, like teenagers at a high school pep rally. Now what? Susan asked. Play their game, Julie said. She went over, opened the door, and walked onto the second floor balcony. The countdown stopped at once. That's a smart girl, Jack shouted. Now just send out the sheep and we'll be on our merry way. Jolie motioned them forward. Ted followed her suspiciously and held his hand up to Susan. Stay put. The air outside was damp and cool. Rain buffeted the building, blown along on sporadic gusts of wind. Ted turned and saw Susan peeking around the doorframe. He winked and turned back to the distant crowd. Where's the other one? Jack called. No deal if I don't get them both. I always wanted to say this, Jack, so listen carefully, Julie yelled. Fuck you and fuck your twisted inbred family. Fuck your dead wife and your dead mutant bitch of a daughter. Fuck your disgusting bar and fuck your dirty goddamn greasy noodles. She dropped her towel and stood there naked. She grabbed her breasts and jiggled them in both hands, then turned and bent over, showing her bare ass at a stunned Jack. Did you see that, Jack? Remember it. It's the last time you'll ever see it. Behind them, Susan erupted in good-natured laughter. Ted grinned and flipped the crowd his middle finger, then the other. That's as good as it gets, Julie, he said. I'm not showing him my ass. You know what else, Jack? Julie continued. It wasn't Susan who killed your wife and daughter. It was me, and I loved every fucking minute of it. I'd do it again if I had the chance. She laughed, grabbed her towel, and went back inside. Ted waved and followed her, closing the door behind him. Jolie wrapped herself in the towel and sat on the bed, grinning like a maniac. You didn't kill them, Ted said. Why did you say that? To see the look on his face. That blank stare as he realized one of his dogs had bitten the hand that feeds. Now that we've pissed them off, what happens next? They jumped as a raspy, warm voice spoke behind them. The woman from the cabin toddled forward out of the shadows. Grandma Emma? Julie asked cautiously. Oh my God, Susan said. You got yourselves in quite a mess here, Emma said with a smile. I guess you'd better listen carefully if you want to get out of here. Your Grandma Emma, Julie stated. You can just call me Emma. I feel old enough without all of this grandma nonsense. You were at the cabin, Ted said angrily. You drugged us. I saved you, Emma interrupted. Without my help, the hounds would have been picking your bones by now. Why couldn't you have told us? Explained what the hell is going on. We wouldn't have had enough time. I can't take your hand and lead you out of here, so I did what I could. You're still alive, aren't you? For now, Susan mumbled. Exactly, for now, 
So are you going to listen to me, or are we going to sit here until you starve to death? Emma shuffled to the window and peered out at the angry mob. Emma? Susan asked shyly. What's going on? How can this be happening? There isn't a simple answer. These monsters have been trapped here off the beaten path for so long they've learned to make do with what they have. Once Jack arrived and made this his kingdom, everything went downhill. For them, eating and procreating with one another is perfectly acceptable. At first, people tried leaving. Hope hadn't yet become a dirty word. But once Jack got his hands in everything, he poisoned the well. They stopped trying. They gave up and accepted their plight. Couldn't you have done something? Julie asked. These people respected you. I tried. I offered aid and ideas, but Jack didn't appreciate me meddling in his affairs. He slowly turned them against me, convinced them I was the monster. They chased me from my home, burned it to the ground, forced me to take up residence here like a bad dog chained up outside the fence. That worked for a while, but Jack still considered me a threat. They started sneaking around outside, trying to lure me out. Jack wasn't happy knowing I was out of the way. He wanted me dead. I knew I'd be the next one to go to the church if he could get his hands on me. I don't understand why they wouldn't want to leave, Ted said. This place makes my skin crawl. Jack convinced them to stay, told them things were better here, that the outside world would never accept them. He opened that filthy titty bar and started making his own liquor, all in an attempt to keep people happy and horny around the clock. He surrounded himself with weak-minded people who he'd brainwashed into killing his enemies on sight. Then he created his religion, building his following from the ground up through fear and intimidation. Why hasn't anyone stopped him? Susan asked. I mean, not everyone can want this way of life. Anyone who disagrees with Jack's ways is taken to the church and offered up to whatever devil they pray to. Dissension is punishable by death. After seeing your neighbors sacrificed or hung from telephone poles, you tend to fall in line. Never get between a starving dog and raw meat. How did you keep them out? How did you do this? Susan asked, spreading her arms to signify the warding spell surrounding the motel. They underestimated my capabilities, Emma chuckled. You can only push an old woman so far. I placed a wall of protection around this motel. Anyone with hate in their heart will never cross the boundary alive. Unfortunately, there were side effects. Consequences. Ted watched her curiously. What do you mean? Look around you, she said. At one time, Pine Lakes was like every other town. Now there's perpetual darkness. The sun hasn't risen here in decades, and the trees and plants all died ages ago. Messing with the power of the universe often has negative effects. I knew that going in, but I don't regret it. It's more than Jack and his henchmen deserve. You could have wiped them out, Julie said. Put them out of their misery. Erased this hellhole from the map. There are powers at work here much stronger than mine, ones even I won't tamper with. This place is here for a reason, and it's not my intent to meddle with that. 
All I can offer is help to those who find themselves trapped here. Not those monsters outside. They're beyond anyone's help. You can get us out of here? Susan asked. I can point you in the right direction, Emma said, but I can't go with you. My place is here. The motel, the cabin, safe havens. I'm just as trapped here as they are, only for different reasons. Susan frowned, overcome with sadness. She only understood half of what Emma had told them, but it was more than enough. Pine Lakes was a scar on the face of the earth. Does this spell explain why time is different here? Ted pointed at Jolie. She thinks she came here in 1991, but when we crashed in the woods, it was 2017. Time no longer adheres to any cosmic rules, Emma said. Crossing that boundary negates time as you know it. If she says she came here in 1991, then she did, just like you say it's 2017. If that's true, I'm nearly 200 years in your past. What the fuck? Ted blurted. Hard to wrap your head around it? Don't bother, it's not going to change anything. We are here together for better or worse. We all have a part to play and a destination. I'm going to help you find yours. What about them? Ted asked. What do we do about them? I'm going to talk to them, she cackled. I haven't seen Jack in a long time. Emma opened the door and stepped outside. No fear, just mild amusement. Jack, she called. So nice to see you again. I've heard you had some problems. The witch returns, Jack shouted. To what do I owe this misfortune? What are you doing all the way over there, Jack? Emma giggled. Why don't you come a little closer? My hearing ain't so good these days. Fuck you, hag, he returned. You know, there's still plenty of room in the church where you give up this game of yours. I'm fine right where I am. I guess you're not going to send your new friends out to me. They have places to be, unlike you. You'll die here and live this nightmare over and over again. Do you even remember who you were, Jack, before you came here and claimed ownership over something you have no right to possess? I have every right, Jack said, spitting on the ground between his feet. It's you that doesn't belong, old woman. I'll do whatever needs to be done to right your wrong. You're a broken record, Emma yelled. You can't find me any more than you can find that shriveled old bird between your legs. Ted, Susan, and Julie crowded around the window as Emma taunted Jack and his minions. The crowd listened to every word, but said nothing. Unlike Jack, they were visibly shaken by the Enchantress's appearance. Many had only ever heard tales of her existence. Seeing her in the flesh was more than some could take. They backed away from the motel, fearing bolts of lightning would begin shooting from her fingers. She-devil, Jack growled. You'll pay for that. Suddenly, a small group of men jumped the curb and raced toward the building, weapons held above their heads. Jack screamed at them to return, but their bloodlust had taken over. They wanted the bitch's head on a plate, and knew that the one to bring it to Jack would be handsomely rewarded. One of the men erupted in blue flame as his screams pierced the night. He writhed on the wet macadam as the flesh on his face melted like candle wax. 
Ten feet to his right, another man fell to his knees, blood pouring from his eyes and nose in a river. Get back, goddammit, Jack bellowed. The two men at the front of the line turned and began running back to the safety of the street, when without warning, they exploded as if they'd been carrying sticks of dynamite. Their remains rained over the parking lot in a hot, red mist as Jack jumped up and down and stomped his feet. Emma laughed shrilly, clapping her hands, enjoying the show. The final man fell to the ground and burst open as his flesh gave birth to thousands of black, trundling beetles. The mob stared in awe as Emma's laughter died out. The magic works, she shouted. How brilliantly the magic works. I'll see your head on a pike, Jack wailed. You'll try, she replied, but you'll fail, as you always do. Emma turned, re-entered the room, and closed the door behind her. What are you doing? Jolie shrieked. You're only aggravating them. I'm proving to them there's a price to pay if they cross me. It'll put the fear in them, give you a chance to sneak away. How are we supposed to do that? Ted asked. They have the damn place surrounded. You go under them, she said. Under? The sewer. Julie groaned loudly. I didn't say you were going to like it, Emma said, but it's better than the alternative. Emma pointed at Susan and frowned. You're a pretty girl. They'd pass you around the bar like a collection plate. Julie shuddered. You don't want that, trust me. I never felt so dirty. The things they made me do. Don't think about that anymore, Emma said. That part of your life is over. So, the sewers then? Ted asked. The sewers, Emma replied. Follow me. They crawled through a window in the back of the room and exited onto a rickety fire escape. The crowd out front jeered and called for their heads. Somehow this made Emma giggle intermittently as she led them down the stairs to a small basement door. Inside, it was completely black. Ted listened as Emma opened a squeaky locker door and removed two flashlights, pressing them into Ted and Susan's hands. No batteries, Ted said, shaking the flashlight in his hand. Suddenly, the light came to life and cast a bright, white glow into the room. Susan flinched and covered her eyes. Don't need batteries now, Emma smirked. Are you sure you can't come? Julie asked. Your specific talents would definitely come in handy. No, dear, I'm sorry. This is as far as I go. She pulled a musty coat from the locker and handed it to Julie. Better than nothing. Julie nodded and slipped it on over her towel. Shine your light over here, Emma demanded. There. She pointed at a circular manhole cover in the concrete floor. You want to follow the tunnel east. If you get lost down there, there's a chance you aren't coming back. The lights will guide you, she said. I've made sure of it. If you get turned around, just hold out your light. It knows the way. This is insane, Susan whispered. How do we know they won't be waiting for us at the other end? Listen to me, Emma demanded. If you don't believe the magic works, it won't. If those lights go off, you could wander in these sewers forever. You won't be the first, and I doubt you'll be the last. Ted put his arm around Susan and hugged her tightly. 
She thrummed beneath his touch with nervous energy. Where does it go? Julie asked. Near the edge of town. Still within their reach, but hopefully I've created enough of a diversion to put them off your trail. I have a few more tricks up my sleeve, Emma grinned. We can't thank you enough, Ted said, suddenly overcome with emotion. You can thank me by getting out of here. You don't belong here. Balance the scales. Live your lives. Maybe one day it'll be enough. Enough, Susan asked. Enough for what? Never mind, Emma walked to the cellar door and turned. You find your own way, and I'll find mine. She closed the door behind her. What the fuck just happened? Susan asked. Emma gave us a chance, Ted said. It's up to us to take it. Emma walked onto the balcony and waved at Jack and his horde. You come to your senses, old woman? Your company is so stimulating, Jack. How can I stay away? Your time here is limited and you know it. Once your halfpenny magic wears off, we're coming in to get you. And when we do, the streets will flow with your blood. Send out your friends. Maybe we can reach some kind of agreement. I'll show you the mercy of a quick death. I think they're sleeping, Jack, Emma said. Even they grew tired of your empty threats. Bitch, Jack roared. I'm going to break you in half and make you eat your own asshole. Do you hear me? Don't promise me a good time. My old heart can't take it. Emma spied an old plastic lawn chair and sat down with a grunt. Why don't you come a little closer, Jack? If you want me, you're going to have to come and get me. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Who's Afraid as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Remember to come back next week or subscribe at SerialAudio.com so you never miss a new episode. You can learn more about this podcast and other serialized fiction shows by visiting our website at SerialAudio.com. That's all one word, SerialAudio.com, where you can subscribe to this and our other shows via RSS, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast players. While you're at it, if you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love it if you'd share it with your friends. Even better, if you have a few spare seconds, leave a review on iTunes. To help support this show, sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash serial audio. You'll get early access to episodes ad-free and special bonuses like behind-the-scenes author and narrator interviews. Thank you again from all of us at SerialAudio.com. It's totally binge-worthy.